Everybody has a body. Everybody experiences something, whether it's pain, injury, illness, or disease. Every experience can teach us something. I'm your host, Kristen Erickson. On this podcast, I interview guests about their health experiences and what they have learned. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Everybody. Today, I'm with a special guest named Kimberly May. She's a friend of mine. We've been friends since 2006, we think, from living in the tree streets in Provo, Utah. And we're back today, so welcome to the podcast, Kimberly. Thank you. And Kimberly, can you give us a little bit of background background on you, where you're from, and what you're up to? So I live in Springville, Utah, and I'm married and have four kids, and just kind of trying to figure out the, you know, the teenage years with my kids. They're, they're becoming teenagers, so that's been... Definitely a new phase of life. Yes, definitely, yes. <laughs> and then you, you have a background in English. Yes. All right. And I so have a master's in English from BYU. Awesome. Well, I am looking forward to this conversation. I know just such a little teeny bit about your story, but this is your journey with having a heart attack. So you're young. I'm going to say very young because well, I think you're like my age. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm 40 now, so I, I don't feel super young anymore. But when I had the heart attack six years ago, of course, I mean, I was 35. I felt a lot younger then. Yeah. Well, I can only imagine. So why don't we just dive right in and tell us a little bit about your journey, like what happened and what was your story? Yeah. So uh, when I was 35, and I, what's interesting is I felt like I was in the prime of my life. I <laughs> felt like I was healthier and stronger than... I had ever been. I was exercising a lot, bike riding, doing P90X workouts, hmm. right? So, I mean, I was strength training and felt pretty healthy. I was teaching at BYU and I had four young kids. And then just one day, uh, well, and I guess I shouldn't say one day, but for maybe months, I, I have acid reflux disease. So I have GERD and I was just kind of, it was getting worse and worse. And one day, my husband and I decided to go on a bike ride. And I was having really bad, what I now know was chest pain, but hmm. I thought it was reflux. Hmm. And I, so I took some medication for it, and we started out on the bike ride. And about five minutes into the bike ride, I just said, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what's going on with my GERD today, but I got to go home. I am in so much pain. So I went home, and uh, the rest of the day, I was on the couch. I can remember going to the bathroom once feeling like I was going to throw up which is very very unusual for me I don't I don't throw up and so but I just thought oh man I just feel so rotten and I just thought my reflux was acting Hmm. up somehow Um, my husband got home I hadn't made dinner I hadn't eaten anything all day long and I was kind of starting to get sweaty Hmm. and um, my husband said he'd make dinner so and he said why don't you go upstairs and rest so I went upstairs and started resting the pain got so bad that I, I called my husband with my cell phone. Hmm. I called him from downstairs, mm-hmm. right? And I said, will you come give me a priesthood blessing? I'm in a lot of pain. Hmm. And so he came upstairs. By this time, I'm crying, thinking that I'm having some kind of, I, I say, acid reflux attack. I don't think yeah. that's really a term or a thing, but, like, I thought that's what I was having. Sure. So he gives me a blessing. He says, everything will be fine and I'll get better goes back downstairs and I'm laying in bed and I can remember having this thought after maybe, I don't know, a few minutes. I remember having this thought, Kimberly, you need to get up right now and you need to go downstairs 
or you're going to die. Oh, wow. You're not going to be able to make it downstairs. I was in that much pain. Mm. Um, so I got upstairs, and I'm just feeling like drama queen. I mean, I'm just <laughs> feeling like, what, what is going on? And I'm, like, leaning on the wall, and I'm leaning on the couch, and I, I look at my husband, and he's got all these four little kids. I mean, yeah. you know, and my youngest was two at the time, and, and I say, you've got to take me to the urgent care. I don't feel well. And he just kind of, you could tell he was like, okay, what is going on? So we get all the kids in the car. We drop them off at the neighbor's house. We go to the urgent care. And um, by this time, I'm in so much pain, I can't, I can't speak. I, they're asking me how, what are my symptoms, and I can't, I can't respond. Mm. So they decide, they just say, you need to take her to the ER. So somebody helps my husband. They kind of like get both my arms walk me to the car and by this time I can't breathe so I'm starting to gasp mm-hmm. I can't I can't get air into my lungs mm-hmm. so they seatbelt me in and my husband is just freaking out at this mm-hmm. point and so he's speeding on the freeway trying to get me to the hospital and I um I'm just gasping for breath I can't I can't breathe and it was excruciating pain and by this time my arm is radiating pain mm-hmm. my left arm mm-hmm. and so we get to the ER but what was interesting is when we get to the ER the pain stopped. Of course. I, I right, and and so I kind of look at my head. I mean, it didn't stop. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say it stopped, yeah, okay. but I I could breathe again. Hmm. I, I started to be able to breathe, and I mean, it was I still had chest pain, but you know, I'm kind of like, well, great. Now the symptoms have gone away. So you know, mm-hmm. you like get to the ER and you're kind of like, oh, you know. Anyway, so my husband tells them what's going on. I'm in a wheelchair and I still can't talk. I mean, I'm still in a lot of pain. Hmm. Um. So they they take my vitals, and I remember the nurse saying, well, your vitals look fine. And the ER was full of people. And so I thought, man, I'm going to be waiting here for a long time. And I was just in so much pain. But they they must have, from the um, symptoms that I had been presenting, they, they wheeled me in, and they said, we're going to do an EKG. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have a heart problem. I'm doing an EKG. But I thought, whatever. Yeah. And um, so they do the EKG, and I, after they had done the EKG, um, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm fine now. I, I feel better now. Let's just go home. Because I'm thinking, I'm going to pay for this. <laughs> right. And they're doing heart. This is going to be extremely expensive, and hmm. I don't have heart problems. Anyways, hmm. after they did the EKG, the, the feeling in the room with the nurses changed. It went from a very kind of like why is this woman here? Why are we doing this EKG? She looks fine. To, we need to get her in a room. There's something wrong. Oh, wow. And so they, they got me into a room straight from there. And this nurse comes in and she has four baby aspirin. Hmm. And she says, you need to take these. And I said, I just had an acid reflux attack. <laughs> that aspirin is going to make it worse. I, I don't want to take that, right? Which sounds so stupid right no. now because you're thinking, well, do what the nurse tells you. But I said, do I have to take that? And she's like, well, no. And you can tell she's so, <laughs> like, you're the stupidest person. <laughs> so she leaves and a doctor comes in and says, we think you had a heart attack. You you need to take this aspirin. And my husband and I just look at each other and laugh. We're like, what? No, I didn't have a heart attack. Anyway, so I take wow. the aspirin. And the doctor says, we're going to have to do some blood work. They, they did some blood work. And they found that my troponin levels were elevated, which when you have troponin in your, in your blood, that means you had a heart attack. That's what it means. So the doctor said, you know, sometimes these tests can be, you know, they can do false things or they can say, maybe you didn't have a heart attack because it does seem really unlikely that you had a heart attack. 
but we're going to monitor you overnight. We're going to keep testing your troponin levels in your blood. And tomorrow, you know, you'll probably be able to go home. So they admit me to the hospital and they take my blood every hour and I wake up the next, well, I don't really wake up the next morning, right? I mean, I'd been awake Hmm. (laughs) all night long, just wondering what in the world was going Uh, on. And they said, well, yeah, it looks like you had a heart attack. So we're going to do an angiogram. That was actually a really scary experience because my husband had gone to work because they had pretty much told us the night before you're fine. Like hmm. th- th- this, this is probably some anomaly. So he was at work and I was signing my life away. I mean, I had been healthy up to this point. So yeah. an angiogram, you know, they're like, you can have a stroke, you can oh, have gee. these things. And I'm having to sign, like, if I die, I won't sue the hospital. Yeah. Right. So I'm like signing this. I'm alone and I'm, I'm scared. Before I went in for the angiogram, the cardiologist said, likely we'll put in some stents and you'll be you'll be able to start teaching again in a couple of days. Like, you'll be fine. Hmm. But so I wake up from the angiogram, and he said, I didn't actually put in any stents because your left main artery is completely diseased. And you need open-heart surgery. Oh, my. And I, I can remember sitting in the bed. I mean, he said completely diseased. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, it just all felt so surreal. And um, I said, I mean, I looked at the doctor and I said, I was fine yesterday. I'm fine. I'm healthy. What would happen if I just got up and left the Hmm. hospital? You know, like this. Yeah, yeah, I I asked him that. (laughs) This is really extreme. I mean, you're telling me you need open heart surgery. And he said, if you leave the hospital right now, this will happen again. This event will happen again and you will die. Wow. <laughs> so I get on the phone. I tell my husband I have to call BYU and say, I'm really sorry. I mean, the semester had just started. I think I taught maybe three times or something. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I can't teach this semester. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, call- I'm calling my mom. I'm calling all these people. Mm-hmm. I'm calling my, my kids' teachers and kind of explaining to them what's happening. Hmm. And then... Um, the cardiologists, my husband said later on, I mean, I was in the room sitting there, but he said the cardiologists were surrounded. There were multiple cardiologists looking at my angiogram um, in the hospital. My husband would walk by and see them, and he could hear them say, what is that? Hmm. What, what is going on? And, and they just didn't really know, but they thought it was plaque. Um, and so um, I had to wait a few days because... They were busy, I guess, doing other heart surgeries. Mm -hmm. And so I waited in the hospital, which was excruciating waiting that long. Mm -hmm. Anyways, after I woke up from the heart surgery, the surgeon was in the room. And you could tell he was kind of antsy, like, I'd like you to wake up. I have some questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I woke up and, and he said, I have never seen a heart like yours before. The only, well, he said, the only other time I've seen a heart like yours was in the morgue when I was doing an autopsy. Oh, goodness. And he said, your heart dissected, which means that it tore. Apparently you have a lining Mm -hmm. of some kind of skin or flesh in your artery, and it tore. And it tore all the way down my left main artery, causing a blockage. But he said, what's strange about that is it happened a month ago. So, So your heart dissected a month ago, and you've been living, he said that event, that dissection that happened a month ago, because he said for some reason, I guess he could tell from the way it looked that it was a month old. He said, mm-hmm. um, you should have died 
when that happened a month ago. Wow. And he said, but somehow you're still alive. What happened a month ago? <laughs> you know, that like this happened. And, and I couldn't really, I, you know, I was trying to think. And I, I remembered that I had been up at a girls camp, a youth girls camp up in the mountains. And I had been eating lunch one day and I once again felt really melodramatic, but all of a sudden I just felt very unwell. I, I almost started bawling in front of all these young women who were sitting, we were eating lunch at a picnic table. Mm-hmm. It's just this feeling of just unwellness. I don't even mm-hmm. know really how to explain it from yeah. my head all the way down to my toes. And I got up and I, I talked to one of the leaders and I said, I've got to go lay down. And I don't know mm-hmm. why I said this because mm-hmm. I don't talk like this generally but I said I kind of feel like I'm dying which is such a weird thing to say right I never say that and so she looked at me kind of like okay Kimberly you're you know (laughs) go lay down so I went and laid down and I was asleep for a half an hour hour and I woke up feeling a lot better (laughs) I woke up feeling a lot better and I will say um and I don't know this you know I don't I don't know exactly what happened but I guess I shouldn't say I don't know because I really do feel like there must have been angels. There must have been something going on to help me <laughs> to be okay. Yes. I mean, I don't think that I don't think that that I just was okay. I think heaven was involved somehow, mm. and and I really did feel restored after that rest <laughs> to the point where I I don't know. I mean, I lived for another month, and that then I had this heart attack. Right. And then after that, you know, after the heart, after the open heart surgery, you know, they were kind of just like, well, we've done everything we can for you. So, you know, like have a nice life <laughs> and uh, kind of kicked me out of the hospital. But but that that event, which took, you know, a few days in the hospital uh, really has changed my life. I can I, only imagine. I, I mean, yeah. every day since then. And um, the first the first several years were really hard. Um, I feel like it opened Pandora's box in a way. I was telling you earlier uh, with my health. I feel like it kind of opened a lot of just issues with my health. And um, it was something I wasn't expecting was I, I think that I experienced PTSD. Mm-hmm. So what was interesting was my cardiologist, um, I, I had to meet with him. And a year later, after everything had happened he said have you have you experienced any PTSD oh interesting and I said well I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I think so and I had to go see a therapist for that what's interesting is when I went into and I had the heart attack and all these things and I was diagnosed the medical community didn't really know what happened and they didn't know why it happened and they didn't really know a lot about what it happened. I mean, even the cardiologists at the hospital were like, what is this? Hmm. I mean, they didn't know what it was, hmm. but I did find a cardiologist up in Salt Lake and he was doing research with the Mayo Clinic. And so he was learning more and more about it. And so this year, this post visit a year later, he said, yeah, we're finding with women like you that they experience PTSD and hmm. they, they, they should be getting, <laughs> you know, they should be getting some kind of Support, support for the for that, and oh man, I would have loved to have known that. I would have loved to have had that support because, you know, I had no idea what was going on. So, does it feel like the trauma that you were dealing with was like the moment you found out that it had hap- that it was a heart attack, or like the moment that you experienced the pain, or what did it feel like was, or the whole experience was a big 
trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole experience was a trauma because, you know, I went from feeling strong, feeling healthy, teaching, feeling mentally alive to just feeling like, am I going to die today? Hmm. Is this chest pain? Hmm. Is You know, because I've had a lot of chest pain since then, and hmm. it's been very scary. Well, I mean, I can every time it happens, <laughs> oh you know, gosh. especially when it, you know, first started happening, um, you know, it just, it threw me back. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of relive that drive to the hospital and just how incredibly painful it mm-hmm. was. But that, that, was, that was kind of a difficult thing that I, you know, I just... In the hospital, everything was kind of like, wow, this is amazing. Thank you for saving my <laughs> right. life, yeah. you know, and then they discharge you. And I, I, I would assume, I, or at least I would think, that a lot of people with health issues, you know, when you're, you're, in, you're, you're in this community where they're helping you, it's mm-hmm. all very supportive and mm-hmm. it feels very hopeful. But then when you go home mm-hmm. and you're left alone, it's really hard. That's a great point. It's really, really difficult to try and heal and try and get over that fear and loneliness. It's just, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. So, and I also think one other thing that I will say about it is uh, they, they, when I, they tried to put me on fentanyl, which mm-hmm. I'm so glad my, I couldn't keep it down. I kept throwing it up. And I didn't know. I mean, they were just pumping me full of lots of stuff. I mean, I was just laying in bed just like, whatever, you know. But I couldn't keep that down. And then they, they gave me, they tried to give me other pain medications. And the only one that, that really worked for me was tramadol. And I think this has changed since, see, this was, this was five, six years ago. But people in the hospital, the nurses and the doctors were telling me it wasn't habit-forming. And... I don't know, maybe two years ago or something. It's so random. I was driving on this highway, and there was a big um, billboard that said tramadol is addictive. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if that's something that they've just discovered, but I really struggled with that because, you know, they gave me it, and they said, oh, this is a great medication for you to be on. It's not habit-forming. So have a nice life. And hmm. they just gave me this medication, but, mm-hmm. but it was habit forming, mm-hmm. um, at least to my physical body. Mm-hmm. I, I was thankfully not, I don't think I was, I don't know if you can have like different addictions, yeah, like, like a mentally. psychological dependence sort of, but, thing. but I can remember calling in after a month and saying, I'm still in a lot of pain. I need more of this medication. And they said, well, you're going to need to go to a pain management center uh, yeah. for that. And I, when, when they said that, I remember thinking, I am not an addict. Mm. I am not getting more. Of the, if I'm addicted to this medication, then we're done with it. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to be an addict. Yeah. Um, so, but, but then my physical body went through withdrawals. Mm. It was horrible. I mean, mm. it was, I can just remember. I mean, you know, I don't know too much about addicts, to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, just the, the incessant moving where they're scratching mm-hmm. and they're, they're fidgeting mm-hmm. and they're moving and they can't stop. Like, mm-hmm. I was doing that. Mm. And I had diarrhea and mm. I couldn't keep anything down and mm. I was sweaty mm. and I was just just constantly just agitated. It was oh, awful. It sounds terrible. It was awful. Yeah, it's just interesting cuz what you're sharing like with the PTSD and the pain meds, that's a part of your journey that like I wouldn't have expected. Did you have a family history of heart no. conditions? So that was no, part of the mystery of it. I mean, they, they really don't, they still don't have an answer. They don't know why this happened. It, it, it's called SCAD, Spontaneous Coronary Artery Dissection. Oh. And it, they have started noticing that it happens with middle-aged, healthy women. Hmm. Like, so there, there is, like, I do fit into that category. So tell me, I'm curious about how 
that has impacted you in terms of how you face each day or like view each day or your kids or your family? Has that ch- shaped a little bit? Your um, I mean, yeah. One thing that that's kind of maybe a more minor thing, but one of the hymns that, that we sing, I Believe in Christ, it, it there's a phrase in there that says, he lives and grants me daily breath. Mm. And every time I sing mm. that song, I think to myself, we just have no idea what a gift that is to breathe, to just be able to breathe and, and not think about mm. it. Um, yeah, so it makes me want to take a big breath right Yes, now. it does, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it does. When I had the heart attack, I was really busy and I think I had overloaded my plate. I had four young kids and it really gave me this opportunity and I felt like it was a gift. I felt like Heavenly Father was saying, take a breath, (laughs) literally, figuratively. (laughs) And, Mm. you know, I have been really grateful that I have had time to not work and to be with my kids and um, to raise them and to, to just be present. Um, Even though, you know, there have been a lot of just hardships that have gone along with it, just being, being able to be a mom full time has been really good for me. And I, I don't think I ever would have taken, taken off time from working. I like to work. I like to teach. It forced me to, and I don't think it was necessarily bad. I mean, it was part time, but for me, I think it was just I really am so grateful that I was able to be with my kids. Um, the other thing I guess I would say that I've learned, I mean, it's been it's been six years since, since that happened. I still think about it multiple times a day. I mean, my body, just the way I view my body is, has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I guess I would just really love to say is that your body is an amazing thing and it heals itself with time and patience but it does take a lot of time I mean it's been six years mm-hmm. and I can remember I mean I, I I've told people I mean I don't think I'm ever going to teach again oh this has just changed everything but I'm getting to the point now where I feel better I feel stronger I feel healthier mm-hmm. and mentally I feel so much better and mm-hmm. I just think your body, your mind is just such an amazing, it heals itself, but you do need to allow it time. You need to be patient with it. You need to, you need to be patient with yourself and just kind of accept mm-hmm. like, I'm feeling these things, I'm feeling this way, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know, just to maybe look ahead and, and, and to just hope that one day, you, you know, you'll feel better. Yes, through the process of time, but it does <laughs> yes. heal. I mean, you know, and some, some people, you know, unfortunately their health takes them where, you know, they don't get better in this life, but it will get better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that feels good. I, I don't know if that would feel good hearing when you're going through something really difficult or not. Because I know for me, you know, some of those hard days, it was just like, mm-hmm. this is never, <laughs> it's never going to get better, it, mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah. Um, but give yourself patience and just respect and love and just be grateful that, you know, that your yeah. body's doing yes. so much yeah. for you, really. Yeah. Well, what about, I'm still thinking about your kids, so I'm sure this has been really impactful, but if you were to give them a piece of advice or say, like, you know, if you face something tough in the future or if there's one thing that you, I would want you to know, you know, as their mom, like, what would you say to your kids? I just feel like I would say the world is full of miracles God is a God of miracles. He will bless you with those miracles that you need. But the interesting thing about miracles that I have thought a lot about over the past several years, um, you know, you read about miracles in, in the scriptures in the New Testament. Jesus comes and performs a lot of miracles. But you don't hear about 
Lazarus, like, what happened? When the do- the door closed and he was at home alone, hmm. what was what was you know what did he kind of have to go through? And maybe maybe he you know maybe he had a an easy time getting back into life because I'm sure when Jesus performs a miracle, there is no Pandora's box of you know I'm <laughs> sure it's I'm sure it's much better healing. But I do think it's interesting that we ha- we experience miracles. I feel like man, everybody experiences miracles in their lives. Everybody kind of is touched by these things, small or great. Um, you, you you know, you have the tender mercies, daily tender mercies, but you have the miracles. But at least for me, I was blessed with this incredible miracle. And I know, I know it was a miracle. I mean, I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be alive. And I am. But after that miracle, life got so hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. hard. And yeah. how, how do you see God in that? You know, yes. the complexity that comes after. That. Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I just, you know, yes, God is a God of miracles, but maybe the greater miracle is that even after he performs that miracle and when things get really hard because life is hard and, and we all know that and we all signed on for that, um, that that you can still find that peace, that daily peace through the small and simple things. I mean, that's really, really where healing is at. Um, that's where hope is at. That's where... That's where maybe the real miracle is, you know, mm. reading your scriptures, saying your prayers, going to the temple, going to church, finding yourself in communities where, you know, you can feel the spirit and where the spirit is um, and just that that needed strength every day. So, yes, God is God of miracles. But when you don't get what you need or when things are really, really tough, you just got to open your scriptures. You just got to pray. You just got to go to church when you don't feel like going to church, going to that youth activity you don't feel like you want to go to. There's so much to be had there that you're just going to miss out on if you don't, Hmm. you know, you don't partake of the, the small and simple things. Well, I really appreciate that you've illuminated this complex experience after a healing experience. Does that make sense? So like, I just find it interesting that you had the heart attack. Then it's like you said, they fixed you, you went home. Right. And then it hasn't been easy since then. It would be right. so nice if it were tidy and they just right. they fixed you. And then it's like, oh, good. Back, but then my life was yeah. hard. And now it's like, it's right. super easy. Right. But I think that's probably closer to what most of us, most of us experience is that there's yeah. a lot of complexity to life. And yeah. I think that's really good advice. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or that you would want everybody to know (laughs) i feel like with health issues it's really hard to bring up and 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 that's another thing i I haven't talked about this a lot since it happened i feel like people feel they feel uncomfortable and i understand this i mean i feel the same way you don't really want to bring up something like this it's hard to talk about but i wish we'd talk about it Hmm. more i I wish people would have asked me more Hmm. about about it because I I did need to talk about mm-hmm. it. It's 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 important to talk about mm-hmm. it. I think it it helps you kind of uh, get through those emotions, through the feelings, through you know the hurt, through the fears, making those opportunities. I guess. Yeah, like um, going out of your way. The impassing is good, but you're not really gonna you know. Oh, how are you today? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're not gonna be like, well, let me tell you all <laughs> these things. You know, you're not you're not really gonna open up. But if, yeah. if you kind of make it clear that you really want to know how how someone's doing. Yeah, I, I just feel like a lot of my friends were kind of like, wow, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't really know how to broach the subject. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think you just just do. Just dive in. Yeah. Yeah, so. well, that's <laughs> really helpful advice. I think that's good for all of our listeners to hear, just uh, to, to hear that piece of advice. 
Well, I feel like just sitting with you, I feel like it, I'm just so happy that you're here. You know, it <laughs> well, feels like a yes, living miracle. I just, I feel grateful and I feel amazed and I'm just so happy <laughs> that you're here and I'm, I'm so happy that you, you've been able to tell your story. And I think yeah. what I am taking away is this appreciation for life mm-hmm. and that you never know that your story struck me where it's like one day you were fine mm-hmm. and the next day oh, yeah. well the girls camp up so but then also yeah. <laughs> like on your bike where literally from one day to the next yeah. and so it, it makes me want to just treasure my life Absolutely. and also I just want to keep taking deep breaths yes. like <laughs> I know <laughs> take a nice deep <laughs> cleansing you, you breath you never <laughs> think about it you know you'd never think about breathing but wow what a blessing well thank you again so yeah. much for sharing your story well, thank you. and thanks thank you for thanks for me. being just here and for being my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you.